0: Section eighty of the Mysteries of London, Volume Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit dot org The Mysteries of London, Volume Four by George W. M. Reynolds, the Lawyer's Head Clerk. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon of the day following the incidents just related that Mister James Heathcote the lawyer was seated at his writing-table in that private office which we have already described to our readers when a low timid knock at the door fell upon his ears come in he exclaimed in his short abrupt and almost brutal manner well knowing that the individual about to enter was the poor wretch whom he bullied when in an ill-humour and whom on all occasions he was wont to make his vile agent and spaniel-like slave creeping up as usual rather than walking with the natural dignity of a man towards the table mr green bowed humbly and waited until his dreaded but almost hated master should deign to give him leave to speak well mr green said heathcote after a pause of a few minutes during which he waited to see whether his grovelling serf would dare to open his lips until he received permission for the lawyer was a man who liked to ascertain the full extent of the power that he wielded over his subordinates and also to make them feel that he did exercise that power well mr green what news this afternoon and throwing himself back in his armchair he passed his thin yellow hand through his iron-gray hair if you please sir i have several things to report as you were so much engaged this morning that you could not give the time to hear me observed green in that subdued and almost affrighted tone of voice which years of servility had rendered habitual to him for such is ever the case with those who mistake the most abasing sycophancy for proofs of respect and here we may observe that it is only in the demoralizing and degrading influence of royal courts that this disgusting susurration is adopted as a species of homage to the divinity raised up by man's stupid and most rehensible idolatry ah i recollect i was busy this morning exclaimed mr heathcote well what have you to report please sir resumed the trembling clerk gregson the upholsterer has put his affairs into the hands of goodman and meanwell who have got all his creditors save yourself sir to sign a letter of license and mr goodman has been here this afternoon to say that unless you will give him your name also his client must inevitably go into the gazette then let him go and to the devil also if he chooses vociferated mr heathcote flying into a passion a most unusual thing with one so cool calculating and self-possessed as he goodman and meanwell are what are called honest attorneys conscientious lawyers straightforward practitioners and they will exert all their energies to carry their client through his difficulties but i will thwart them mr green by god i will thwart them gregson shall go into the gazette "'Even if I lose every penny he owes me, I hate your honest attorneys.' "'And his lips were curled in bitter irony and demonic malignity. "'Go on, sir,' he exclaimed savagely, as if it were his wretched clerk who had irritated him. "'Thompson, sir, the defendant in Jones's case, you know,' resumed Mr. Green, "'was arrested yesterday in pursuance of your orders, sir.' "'I took the liberty of mentioning, sir, that his wife had just been confined.' "'Well,' exclaimed Mr. Heathcote, impatiently, "'and that his eldest child was at the point of death, sir,' added Green, "'more timidly than before. "'Well, what next?' demanded the attorney. "'The poor child has since died, sir.' "'The poor child, indeed. Who cares a fig about a child? "'Why, you are growing quite soft-hearted, Mr. Green.' said heathcote in a tone of cutting irony the poor child indeed i suppose the wife has died also he added with heartless jocularity indeed sir i am sorry to say you are right in your conjecture responded green scarcely venturing to make the announcement no is it really the case though exclaimed heathcote startled for a moment at finding that what he had said as a brutal jest turned out to be a solemn and shocking truth well what next he demanded mastering those emotions which he was ashamed at having betrayed thompson himself sir driven to despair by these numerous afflictions cut his throat in prison this afternoon added mr green is this possible cried mr heathcote again excited to a degree more powerful than the clerk had ever before observed but speedily subduing his feelings by dint of a strong and almost superhuman effort so sudden and effective was it he said well it is not my fault maudlin sentimentalists will perhaps lay his death at my door i am afraid sir that all the three deaths will be attributed to you interrupted green with an affectation of exceeding meekness while from beneath his brows he darted a rapid glance of fiend-like expression at his master a glance which denoted how the man in his secret soul feasted upon the pangs which now rent the heart of the attorney i am tough enough to bear everything that people may say of me mr green observed heathcote in his usually cold tone of irony but proceed with your communications. Beale's wife, sir, called this morning. You know Beale, the man you put into White Cross Street Prison, and whose wife and children have been starving ever since? Really, Mr. Green, interrupted Heathcote, fixing a stern look upon his clerk. It would appear that you are purposely entering into minute details this afternoon in order to annoy me. Of course I know who Beale is was sir if you please said green with difficulty concealing the savage delight that he took in thus torturing or at least endeavoring to torture his master what do you mean sir demanded heathcote savagely that beale died in the infirmary at white cross street last night sir responded green his tone and manner becoming more abjectly obsequitous in proportion as his internal joy augmented at the increasing excitement and irritation of his master the man was doubtless a drunkard green observed heathcote roughly and therefore when no longer able to get liquor the reaction carried him off i dare say sir that you know best and i am sure you must be right returned the clerk with a low bow but the man's friends do say that a more sober hard-working and deserving fellow did not exist and therefore i suppose that his death will be laid at my door exclaimed heathcote now for the first time in his life glancing timidly almost appealing at his clerk as if to implore him to devise some excuse or start some palliation that might ease his troubled conscience but green whose very obsequiousness and servility afforded him the means of venting his spite on his hated master pretended to take the observation as an assertion and not an interrogatory and replied in a humble tone your foresight and knowledge of the world sir are beyond all dispute and as you say beale's death is certain to be laid at your door but of course you are perfectly indifferent to the tittle-tattle of scandalous tongues heathcote rose from his seat or rather started from it and walked rapidly up and down the room thrice he felt sorely troubled for hardened as his heart was obdurate as his soul had become he could not shut out the whispering voice of conscience which now proclaimed him to be the author of all the deaths that his clerk had enumerated and while he was racked by these painful convictions the thought suddenly flashed to his brain that green had displayed a savage delight in detailing those horrors and man of the world as james heathcote was it occurred to him as a natural sequence to the suspicion just mentioned that his clerk hated and abhorred him acting under the influence of these impressions he stopped suddenly short close by the spot where green was standing and he fixed his snake-like gaze upon the shabbily dressed senile-looking self-debasing individual who appeared to be maintaining his eyes bent timidly and reverentially on the floor as if his master's emotions were something too sacred to look upon. Green, Mr. Green, exclaimed Heathcote, laying his hand with such abruptness and also with such violence upon the groveling wretch's shoulder that he made him start convulsively, though he knew all the while that his master had accosted him and was also gazing on him. Yes, sir, cried the clerk, raising his eyes diffidently toward heathcote's countenance do you conceive that the deaths of those people can be righteously attributed to me demanded the lawyer speaking in a low measured and solemn tone and looking as if he sought to read into the most secret depths of his clerk's soul do you i say dare to associate any act or deed of mine with their fate he asked raising his voice while his face became terrible to gaze upon who i sir ejaculated green as if in astonishment at the questions put to him and his own countenance assumed such a sinister aspect that heathcote surveyed him with increasing suspicion and distrust yes you cried the lawyer ferociously now mark me green he continued In a lower and more composed tone of voice, if you dare to harbor ill feelings towards me, if even a scintillation of such feelings should transpire from your words or manner, I will crush you as I would a worm. I will send you to Newgate, abandon you to your fate, and, if necessary, help to have you shipped for external exile. My God, how have I deserved these implied reproaches? these terrible menaces demanded green his countenance expressing real alarm and his whole frame shivering from head to heel perhaps you have not deserved them and in that case they will serve as a warning said heathcote now becoming suddenly calm and imperiously scornful but i think that you did merit all i have uttered and now you know me better perhaps than you knew me before however let all this pass i do not for an instant suppose that i possess your affection but i will guard against the effects of your hate answer me not sir you cannot wipe away the impressions which this afternoon's scene has conjured up in my mind and now proceed with anything more that you may have to tell me fox the ironmonger sir resumed green in a more timid and servile tone than ever and with a manner so cowed and groveling that it completely veiled the strong pantings for revenge and the emotions of bitter burning hate which dwelt in the clerk's secret soul fox the ironmonger sir has realized all his property and absconded did i not tell you to issue execution against his goods without delay demanded heathcote angrily i obeyed your commands sir as soon as the usual forms were gone through responded green but in the interval the man knowing the steps you were taking against him sold off everything and ran away no one can tell whither then all your intelligence is evil this afternoon mr green said heathcote what about mrs sefton the spy that i set to watch her has reported her removal from kentish town to a house at Bayswater. sir answered green and as she has a young lady with her a miss vernon it appears she does not seem to be busying herself in any way that might interfere with your interests but that insolent young nobleman, that lord william trevelyan demanded heathcote i do not think he is troubling himself any more in the business sir answered green good and well ejaculated the attorney THESE LATTER TIDINGS CONSTITUTE SOMETHING LIKE AN AGREEABLE SET-OFF IN RESPECT TO ALL YOUR FORMER COMMUNICATIONS. HA! HE CRIED, SUDDENLY INTERRUPTING HIMSELF AS THE CLOCK PROCLAIMED THE HOUR. FIVE ALREADY. WELL, YOU MAY GO NOW, GREEN, AND SEE THAT YOUR SPIES KEEP A GOOD LOOKOUT UPON THE MOVEMENTS OF MRS. SEFTON AND LORD WILLIAM. Trevelyan. I WILL, SIR, WAS THE REPLY and the clerk bowed himself out of the office half an hour afterwards mr green was wending his way towards the aristocratic quarters of the west end and at length he entered a respectable-looking public-house in the neighbourhood of portland place having called for some refreshment he took up the newspaper to while away the time until the arrival of the person whom he was expecting but he could not settle his thoughts to the perusal of the journal he read an article through from beginning to end and when he reached the termination he had not retained a single idea of the subject the fact was the man's mind was excited and bewildered by the scene which had taken place that afternoon with his master he felt that he had been trampled upon treated with every possible indignity despised menaced and almost spit upon and he was compelled to suffer all to bear everything to endure those flagrant wrongs, without daring to murmur. But I will be avenged, terribly avenged, thought he within himself, as he bent over the table in the public-house parlor, supporting his head upon his two hands. Yes, even though I should sacrifice myself, I will be avenged sooner or later. For years and years I have been his slave, his menial, his instrument, his tool." and he has kept me in such utter subjection that it was not until lately i remembered that i really possessed a soul and a spirit of my own the hard-hearted cruel remorseless wretch i hate and abhor him with a malignant hatred and a savage abhorrence no words were strong enough no terms sufficiently potent to convey even to myself an idea of the magnitude of that aversion which i now entertain for him but if he has me in his power in one way he is at my mercy in many other others he little suspects how deep an insight i possess into his affairs his machinations his dark plots he thinks that i behold but the surface he knows not that i have fathomed to the bottom at this point in the clerk's musings the door of the parlor was opened and a respectable-looking man dressed in black but with a white cravat entered the room you are somewhat behind your time mr fitzgeorge said green as this individual who was lord william trevelyan's valet seated himself by the clerk's side only a few minutes responded fitzgeorge and now to business without delay it is fortunate that we are alone in this parlor at present otherwise i should have proposed to adjourn to a private room have you thought well of the subject i mentioned to you yesterday i have was the answer delivered in a tone of decision and i am prepared to meet your wishes but remember that i told you how completely i am in the power of the villain heathcote and if he were to discover that your noble master received his information through me he cannot possibly detect your instrumentality in the business provided you do not betray yourself said fitzgeorge then i cannot hesitate to serve you responded green here are a hundred pounds in advance of the sum promised you continued the valet producing bank-notes to the amount named and the other moiety shall be paid the moment the information you are about to give me shall have proved to be correct ah it is a long long time since i could call so much money my own said green with a deep sigh as he gazed upon the notes half doubting whether it were possible they were about to find their way into his pocket take up the money and use dispatch for my time is precious exclaimed fitzgeorge the clerk followed the first suggestion with amazing alacrity and his sinister countenance was now as radiant with joy as such a face could be your master is generous very generous he said as soon as the notes were secured in his waistcoat pocket and i will serve him to the utmost of my power the madhouse to which sir gilbert heathcote has been consigned is kept by dr swinton and is situated in the neighbourhood of the new church facing the end of the bethnal green road i am well acquainted with the locality said fitzgeorge the church you speak of is in the cambridge road and stands at one of the angles of the green precisely so answered the clerk and the lunatic asylum looks upon the green itself its back windows commanding a view of globe town but here is the exact address continued the man producing a card from his pocket that is all i require said fitzgeorge three days hence you can meet me here again and if in the meantime i should have discovered that sir gilbert heathcote is really confined in dr swinton's asylum the other 100 pounds shall be handed over to you the valet and the clerk then separated end of section 80